0: Good morning, church. Good morning. morning. We are in the first week of a brand new series on relationships. It'll be a three-week series. And when you think about our relationships, it's our relationships with other people that really touch our hearts. It's where we, we share our joys and our sorrows and our memories. But this morning, I want to talk about those challenging relationships. The title for today's sermon is Dealing with Difficult People. Dealing with Difficult People. So think back for a minute over your life, of maybe some of the difficult people you've encountered. Maybe, maybe it was a bully at school or a demanding boss or, or maybe a neighbor or a coworker. We've all We've all had difficult people in our lives. So what I'm going to do this morning, I want to look at a story from the Bible of a real-life difficult person that was dealt with by another person and see how God moved in that area. I also want to talk about some biblical responses to the difficult people in our lives. And lastly, we're gonna land on the most important relationship in all our lives. But before we go there, would you join me please as we go before the Lord, let's pray. God, we just ask you this morning to speak to our hearts. You are indeed the the great teacher. You're the teacher in this room. You alone know every need in every heart. And we ask that you draw our hearts and our thoughts closer to you as we study your word this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many folks here have ever taught somebody how to drive a car? Anybody? Okay. It's kind of nerve wracking, isn't it? Usually when they stop in that car and they're driving, they're, they're a little jerky in their movements. They kind of hit that accelerator a little too hard or hit the brakes a little too hard and the car goes. And they try and make turns and they turn a little too abruptly. Well, I came up with a teaching tool that I thought would work and help out. And what I did is I, I told the people that I'm teaching how to drive. I said, just imagine there's a cup of coffee between the two front seats of the car. And it has no lid on it. So you've got a cup of coffee right there and try and drive that car, try and accelerate, start, stop in such a way that nothing spills out of that coffee cup. Now it sounds like a really good idea. Except for as they've gotten older and driven with me, when I drive kind of funny, they go, hey, dad, you would have spilt the coffee on that last turn. So it comes back to (laughs) haunt you. (laughs) But but here's the point. When when you hit a cup of coffee, when you bump a cup of coffee, coffee comes out. So that begs a question for you and for me. When you and I get bumped, when a difficult person comes into our life and they're pressing all our buttons, what comes out? You know, the Bible tells us what comes out, how we respond, is critically important, not just to the people in our lives, but even to the most difficult people that we encounter. So, when I want to look at a biblical example this morning. And the story is David and Saul. King Saul was David's difficult person. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 24. And here, David is actually hiding in caves from Saul. But before we get there, I really need to give you some background to give it some context. And I like to go back way back in time, way before David, to back when the nation of Israel had no kings. And they were led by the prophet Samuel. And one day the elders of Israel came to the prophet Samuel and they said, Samuel, we want to have a king. And they gave this qualifier we want to have a king to be like other nations. Now, Israel was going to be a separate kingdom, a light unto the Lord, but they wanted to be like the other nations around them. And this grieved the prophet Samuel. So Samuel goes before God. And he says, God says, the elders want a king to be like other nations. They've rejected me as their leader. And God says, Samuel, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. But God gave them a king. And the first king was a man named Saul. And Saul is described as being really tall and really handsome, and the most handsome man in all of Israel. And on the outside, he looked like the perfect king. He fit all the requirements of what a king should look like from the outside. But inside, Saul proved to be a man, proved to be a king, whose heart was very far from God. And he was disobedient to God so many times that finally the Lord told Saul, You're not going to be king anymore. I'm going to take the kingdom from you. I'm going to find a man who is after my own heart. So then God tells Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem to a man named Jesse. And he has some sons and one of his sons is going to be the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes and sees Jesse and Jesse lines up his sons and Samuel looks at them and looks at the first one and says, sure, this must be the right one. But the spirit of the Lord said, no, it's not that one. How about this one? Nope, not that one. This one? Nope, 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 nope. And he goes to the whole line of Jesse's sons. And Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, I've got one more. His name is David. But he's out in the field tending the sheep and the goats. And Samuel says, bring him here. Just a little side note here. David was an afterthought in his own household by his own father. But he was never an afterthought with God. So they bring David up. Samuel sees him in the spirit of the Lord says, this is the one. And he anoints David as the king of Israel. And from that moment on, the spirit of God came mightily upon David. But it would be years and years and years before David would actually sit on the throne of Israel. But God's still working in David's life. And there comes a point in time to where David is actually able to be a musician in Saul's court. So he was an extremely good musician playing the harp and he played the harp for King Saul. Saul liked him so much, Saul actually made him one of his armor bearers. And so this relationship is building between David and Saul and Saul really likes David quite a bit. And then there comes the most famous story in the Bible, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And that's the story of David and Goliath. You know, the the giant Philistine Goliath is over here and David runs and in the power of the Lord, David smites the giant, he kills him. And the women of Israel, they go out in the streets and they dance for joy and they sing. And they say this, they said, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000s. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000s. Well, this didn't sit well with Saul. So let's take a look at 1 Samuel 18.8. 1 Samuel 18.8. And here's what it says. This made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands, and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. And look at verse nine. So from that time on, Saul kept a very jealous eye on David. You see, things are starting to turn here. Saul was very pleased with David and now jealousy is setting up in his heart. If now he's starting to question everything David does. And you know, difficult people do that in our lives. They question everything we do. Saul got so angry with David and his jealousy erupted so much. He took a spear one time and tried to pin David to the wall. He would send David out into battle, hoping he'd be killed by the enemy. And finally, the situation gets so bad that David has no choice but to flee from Saul. Now, just imagine for a moment how David must have felt. he didn't do anything wrong. He did everything Saul commanded of him and and he's hurt and he's confused. I mean, Saul doesn't just want to hurt him. Saul wants to kill him. Saul wants to kill him. And by the time our story starts in verse, in chapter 24, we're going to see that David has amassed a small army of about 600 men and they're living in caves in an area known as En Gedi. So let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel 24, looking at verses one and two. And verse one says this, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all over Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of of the wild goats. You know, Saul definitely fits the description of David's difficult person. David and his men are hiding, they're living in caves, and Saul comes after them with with 3,000 men, not just 3,000 troops, but these are his best troops, his special forces, and they're trying to find David to kill him, and remember, David didn't do anything wrong. He didn't argue with Saul, he didn't have a falling out, he didn't say something to Saul to get Saul upset, he didn't mistreat him in any way. David was innocent in everything he did towards Saul, But yet Saul, because of his irrational behavior, still wanted to kill David. And sometimes difficult people can be like that in our lives too. You know, we can't always understand the behavior. They're mistreating us. And a lot of times we don't even know why. Their thinking isn't always rational. Their actions make no sense. And we find ourselves on the receiving end of of raw emotions. And you know what? It hurts. It hurts. We have some difficult people in our lives that can be dictators. They kind of like to tell us what to do. There are difficult people in our lives that might be highly critical, just, just nitpicking at everything we do. There are some that can be rude and disrespectful as if they don't even care about our feelings. Sometimes a difficult person can be destructive in their anger. They can be hurtful in their speech and often their motivations aren't clear, but their actions, their actions always call us pain, cause us pain. I like to refer to difficult people in my life as sandpaper people. And that sounds like a strange term to be sure, but the reason I say that is because God sometimes uses the difficult people in our lives to rub off those sharp areas in our own character, to reshape us, to mold us more like Jesus Christ, to teach us, to teach us how to love people, like Jesus loves people. So I've learned over the years, I'm now 66, so I'm probably one of the older folks in here. And uh, as I've gone through my life, I've learned that when difficult people come in my lives, my life, one of the things that I can do that's really important is just to pray and thank God for that person. Because that person is gonna be doing something that's gonna help me grow closer to Jesus Christ. It's not easy and it's not fun, but you know what? God works in our lives to make us more like his son. Sandpaper people. God uses them to shape us as well. All right, let's go on with our story in 1 Samuel 24, verse three. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. So Saul's there with 3,000 troops. Get this, he's in En he's in this wilderness area. And even kings have to go to the bathroom. So he goes up into a cave to get some privacy. And lo and behold, it's the very cave where David and his men are hiding. Now I don't know what the men said; that the Bible doesn't record those exact words. But I can imagine it must have been something like this: "Hey guys, somebody's coming. Let's go to the back of the cave. Can you see who it is? Not yet. Wait a minute. Hey guys, you're not going to believe this. they whispering. I'm sure. It's King Saul. <laughs> What's he doing? He's taking his robe off. He's by himself. He's going to the bathroom." Well, what would you think if you were one of David's men? What would you do? Well, let's go on with verses four through seven. And verse four in chapter 24 says this. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. You see, David's men saw an opportunity. Remember, Saul's going to kill them as well. And he goes, here's our chance to get rid of Saul. I mean, this is a great opportunity right here. They even see it as something from the Lord. But David responds differently. David could have killed Saul. He could have killed Saul, but he didn't. Instead, he just cuts off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. And verse five says this, and it's really important to remember this. It says that David's conscience began bothering him because he had even just cut Saul's robe. David was not willing to move or attack or do anything against the Lord's anointed king. And he prevents his men from doing the same thing. So we had the same situation. We have a vulnerable king in the cave, an enemy, and one group is saying, let's kill him. And David's saying, don't even touch him. Don't even touch him. Two different responses to the same difficult person. So let's look a little closer at David's men. You know, they see this situation as the world sees it. Uh, and think for a moment how the world responds to difficult people. There are some uh, phrases we use in our culture that kind of, kind of exemplify that and talk about that. For example, we'll say that, uh, I'll give him a taste of his own medicine. You ever heard that before? Or how about this one? I don't get mad, I get even, I get even, sure. The, the world wants to retaliate. When there's somebody harsh in our lives, The world says, fight back. I mean, give them all you got. Just strike back at them. And you know, I just want a little side note here. These men want to kill Saul. We're not going to go to that extreme, but we can do some things to difficult people in our lives that are not right. We can whisper about them behind their back. We can gossip. We can say things. We can uh, do things that are hurtful in our speech. We can make sarcastic comments. We can maybe avoid them. If he doesn't want to say hi to me, I'm not going to say hi to him. And folks, we can even have thoughts of retaliation in our heart that don't come out in how we respond in a physical or action type way, but they're still just as bad and they're still just as sinful and they're still revealing a sinful attitude in our own hearts. So we want to keep that in mind. We're called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we've got to remember the world is watching us and God is watching us. How we respond to difficult people matters. Well, David's men gave some ungodly advice and they even attributed it to God. Surely this is from God. But you know, we have to sift through the advice we get. Our advice has to be grounded in the word of God. You know, friends are loyal to us and that's a great thing. And think about you and your good friends, you wanna wanna have their back. You want to stand by and decide, Hey, I've got you. I'm with you. You can count on me. And a lot of those qualities are great and they're good to have in friendships, but we've got to be careful. If the advice we get from our friends or the advice we give to our friends isn't grounded in the word of God, it's just based on our loyalty. It can be very misguided. You see wise counsel always, always, always takes us back to God's word, takes us back to God's word. I came across a, a story as I was studying for this sermon. I think it's an illustration. I don't think it's true, but uh, I'll tell you the story because it certainly illustrates this point. And the story's about a, an old trucker who stops at a truck stop, late night truck stop for something to eat. And he's in there eating an income-free motorcycle rider. Now, these aren't your ordinary motorcycle riders. These are the criminal type, the hoodlum type. And they come in rough and tough and they see the old trucker sitting there And one of the motorcycle riders says, oh, those French fries look good. And he reaches over and he grabs a handful of French fries and starts to eat them. Another one of those motorcycle riders, again, these are hoodlums, goes over there and says, you know what? That juicy hamburger looks really good. And he reaches over to his plate and he takes a nice bite out of that hamburger. The last one says, I could sure use a cup of coffee. And he reaches over to the old trucker's coffee, picks it up and walks away with it. Well, the old trucker didn't do much. He just stood up and he walks over to the cash register, puts his money down, puts his bill down, and walks out. Well, the three motorcyclists said to the waitress, that wasn't much of a man, was it? And here's what the waitress said. I don't know about that, but I can tell you this. He's a lousy truck driver. As he drove out, he just ran over three motorcycles. Okay, you see, That's how the world responds. The first instinct is to get back, is to get back. But David didn't respond that way. David responded totally the opposite. David taught us you don't have to give in to the pressure of other people. Now, you gotta imagine where David's at. He's in there with 600 loyal followers. And they're all saying, do this. And David's saying, no, we're not gonna do it. He's standing up against 600 people who are telling him to do something totally different. And see, David teaches us, and we're tempted to retaliate. We don't have to do that. David wasn't afraid to go against a tide of popular opinion, and he takes a strong stand. David knew that Saul was in the wrong, but David also knew it wasn't his job to make it right. That had to be left in the hands of the Lord. You know, one person doing the right thing can influence a lot of people. In this case, David influenced 600 men. In our case, you never know when you stand for the right thing before the Lord, how many lives you can impact by just doing, by just doing the right thing. One more thing I want to bring out. David was troubled. Remember that verse five where David says his conscience bothered him because he cut off a piece of that robe? David was bothered for doing that. And you start thinking, why? I mean, you could have killed Saul. All you did is went over and just kind of cut off a piece of his clothing. I mean, that's not a big deal, is it? Well, cutting off that rope mattered because, and get this, because little things, little things matter. And David knew that if you really want to walk with God, you've got to come to terms with every detail. You've got to have a sensitive heart. You have to have a heart that's bothered by even the little things. If those little things are an offense, are an offense to God. You see, the difference between walking in victory and walking in defeat is doing what, what pleases us and doing what pleases God. And David understood that. All right, let's go on with our story. We're gonna go to verse uh, seven of chapter 24 and it starts like this. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. The Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you for I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting to kill me. See, David states his case before Saul. Saul leaves the cave, he has no idea what happened. He gets a little further away and he's a safe distance away, David comes out and notice David calls out to him, King Saul, but then David bows before him. David just shows incredible integrity and incredible humility. He says, I could have harmed you, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And I've got proof right here. Right here, this is the hem of your robe. See, that shows I'm not after you. I'm not trying to kill you. David tries to set the record straight. He tries to reconcile rather than retaliate. Let's take a look at verse 12. And verse 12 says this. David says, May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you were trying to do to me but I will never harm you. You see, David trusts the Lord. He puts everything in God's hands. He knows he's anointed his next king, but he wants to be king on God's terms in the Lord's own time, in the Lord's own way. He doesn't want to take matters into his own hand. David's response was based on, on his trust in God. Let's go to verses 16 and 19. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, is that really you, my son David. And then he, this is Saul, began to cry. And he said to David, you're a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he hadn't had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for your kindness you have shown me today. So Saul responds to David and, and he begins to cry. He's moved emotionally. He concedes his guilt, he proclaims David's innocence, and it looks like everything's gonna work out fine, but things are not what they seem. And we'd like the story to end like this. We'd like Saul to invite David back home and, and maybe start teaching David some of the things about being a king and, and they become good friends and they, at nighttime they sit around the campfire and sing Kumbaya and all this stuff, but this isn't what happens. Chapter 24 ends with David and his men going back to their stronghold and he's wise to do so. And here's why. Saul's remorse was only temporary. And in a short time, Saul is going to go back to trying to kill Dave, to hunting him down, hunting down David. Well, some final thoughts on on chapter 24. David knew that he had to do what was right in dealing with Saul, his difficult person, regardless of how Saul responded to him. You know, the difficult people in our, in our lives, even though we respond the right way, they may respond well, they may, may not respond well, or they may do the Saul thing, respond well here and go back to their old ways over here. But the bottom line is this, we're not responsible for how the difficult people in our lives respond, but we are responsible for how we respond before God and towards them and towards them. If you look on your handout, the middle portion there, I've got a title called, Loving the Unlovey, Unlovely, Responding to the Difficult People in Our Lives. Loving the Unlovely and Responding to the Difficult People in Our Lives. And we could sp- probably spend hours on this. And there are folks in our congregation that could speak much more about this than I can. This is a deep, deep topic. I've just chosen three foundational things to cover this morning. And one is we wanna trust God Two is we want to pray. And three, we want to change our clothes. So let's take a look at those. The first thing is is trusting God. You know, sometimes when we're dealing with a difficult person, We get so emotionally entangled in that relationship that we lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the fact that, you know, God knows what's going on and and God cares. And God cares about us. He cares about the difficult person and he cares about the entire situation. So trusting God, remembering he's in control, remembering he cares about every detail is really important. David did that. David modeled that kind of trust as he dealt with Saul. Secondly, we wanna pray. And pray for that difficult person. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know why they are the way they are. Pray for them. Pray for their lives. Pray for their relationship with the Lord. Maybe they don't even know him. The Bible tells us to pray for those who offend us, even to pray, to pray for our enemies. And who knows? Maybe that difficult person is in your life because nobody else, nobody else is praying for them. And God put that person in your life saying, here's a godly Christian right here. I'm going to put that difficult person in their life so they will lift that person up before me. So pray for that difficult person. And who knows? Who knows how God's going to move in the heart of that person in in days to come and weeks to come, or maybe even in years to come. Next, pray for your own heart. Pray that your heart stays soft. You know, hearts can get hard towards people when they treat us wrongly. But keep your heart soft. Ask God to do that. David had a heart for Saul. And the Bible tells us this, that when Saul died, when Saul died, David wept and he mourned for Saul. This isn't the heart of a guy that says, I don't care about this person. This is a heart of a guy that had great compassion. David even wrote a funeral song for Saul and his son, Jonathan. David had a heart for salt to the very, very end. We've got to keep our hearts soft to the difficult people in our lives. And there may be a prayer of confession that might be needed. You know, you have a a bad relationship with a difficult person. Maybe you contributed to that in some way. You've said something, you've done some hurtful things and you've got some responsibility in that relationship. And, And if that's true, then we need to go before God and confess that and say, Lord, I've added to this. I've, I've done some things that are wrong and confess and repent. And then you might need to go to that person and say, I know things aren't right between us, but I want to get my heart right before God and before you. And I want you to know that I'm sorry for my part in what's happened between us. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. It's so important that we make sure things are right on our side of the fence when it comes to our relationship with others. And lastly, you should change clothes. And for this, we're going to go to Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. This is New Testament. And the context is, is Paul is talking to believers, but the application in relationships, it goes to everybody. It's got a, a great application, that extends to all our relationships. So Colossians 3, 12 through 14 says this: Since God chose you to be holy people, to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You see, this passage provides a great visual. You know, as Christians, we put off the old man and put on the new, and and just imagine just putting on clothing. We're putting on mercy and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and then we put on love. And and the point is this, it's a choice. We get to choose how we're going to respond to that difficult person in our life. David always did the right thing, and we've got to do the right thing, the right thing as well. We're coming to the very final portion of this message. And I titled this one, Drilling Deep. If you look on your handout, the last one says Drilling Deep. And I did this because I want to end with where we need to start. When we start dealing with difficult people in our lives, there's a starting point, a place where we must begin. And it starts deep down in our own hearts. You see, Our relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship we have. And all our relationships turn on that one relationship that we have with him. David's godly response to Saul was based on on his heart. He had a heart after God. And our response to the people around us depends upon what our heart looks like on the inside. So I've got a question for you this morning and a question for me. And the question is this. Is Jesus the most important person in your life? Is Jesus the most important person in your life? Now, I don't want a textbook answer, and this is not an answer you have to answer to me. But just between you and God, is Jesus the most important person in your life? How is your relationship with your Savior today, this morning, right now? A things going well, I surrender to the Lord and you're walking with him and, and you're living for him. Doesn't mean you don't have problems, but it means I am trusting Jesus Christ. He is my hope and I'm hanging on and trusting him. Or has some sin gotten into your life and, and there's some barriers there. You're, you're kind of in rebellion, you're, you're doing the salt thing. You're looking good on the outside, but, but there are some problems, some problems on the inside. And, and, and if you're having some issues, in your life, in your Christian life, if you're, you're tired, or you're weary, or you just feel like you're broken up in pieces inside, I want you to remember this next slide. And while this slide is put up on the screen, I'd like to ask the worship team, if you'd like to come up front, because we'll be closing out in just a couple of minutes. So worship team, if you would please come forward. This is a slide of a broken pottery. And you say, what in the world does this have to do with difficult people? Well, remember how we respond to difficult people out here starts inside our very own lives. And this is some broken pottery. It's an ancient jug of some sort. And you can see all the pieces there. And maybe in your life, you have a difficult person, or maybe you're just at a point in your life where things are just getting difficult. And, and rather than looking to the Lord, you're just, You're just trying to deal with it on your own and you can feel yourself overwhelmed and weary and tired and frustrated and inside you feel all broken. As a matter of fact, in truth, we're all broken. But it's what we do with these pieces that makes a difference. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and the starting point inside your heart isn't where it needs to be. And there are some issues between you and your savior. Things aren't what they once were or aren't what they should be. Take those pieces and bring them before the Lord. Maybe one piece is a difficult person. God, here's here's this difficult person in my life. Will you help me respond like I should? Get along with God. Put the brakes on your life and have a heart-to-heart conversation with God. If your heart isn't right with him, do it today, do it today. God, this piece here, this is some anger that's been sitting in my heart. I can't get rid of it. God, this is that sin that that always seems to get me. I need victory, but uh, I'm struggling here. God, will you help me? God, this piece in my life, this hurts. and I don't even know why it hurts. It just hurts so bad. And take all these broken pieces inside your heart and just lay them before Jesus. God, please help me. And when you do that, when you do that, the master potter will take all those broken pieces and he will put you back together. But more than that, he will reshape you. He will restore your soul. He will make you into a person more like his son, Jesus. He will fix you. He will heal you. If you'll just take these broken pieces and surrender, that is the starting point. That is the starting point for dealing with difficult people. And again, if there are issues in your heart before the Lord today, right here, right now, before the sun sets, as soon as you get home, get alone with God. You can turn your cell phone off get away, get quiet. Just you and God talking about what's happening in here. And once you do that, you start walking with him and rivers of living water will flow from your life. Your relationships with people are still, you're still going to have difficult people in your life, but you're going to respond so differently because you're following Jesus Christ and he's going to teach us how to walk with him and how to love like he loves. All right, let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you are our Lord and Savior. We know we have difficult relationships in our lives. We have wonderful relationships in our lives. We also have broken areas. And Father, I just pray that as we come before you now and as we talk to you, that you just move in our hearts. If there's somebody here that's broken inside that has some pieces they haven't laid before you, that they will do that. And Father, we just pray for the difficult people in our lives that you'll move in their lives as well. Draw us closer together to each other, but most importantly, Most importantly, draw us closer together to you. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Would you stand with us in a song of response? Of salvation he rose in Great. Jesus conquered.
0: we're gonna walk out these doors and there's a whole lot of difficult people out there. And there are people who need to know about Jesus. So as we go forth, let's, let's check our own hearts and let's show this world the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. God bless you. You're dismissed.